Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. Workplace culture has always been of utmost importance to organizations everywhere, but now in the current climate where there is movement in the jobs market, ever-changing priorities for employees, toxic work place culture really can be bad for people and be very bad for business. So to talk about this topic today, we're delighted to be joined by Julio Sullivan, Head of People Development with Jigsaw Better Business and a Chartered Organizational Psychologist who aims to improve how people experience work through training and coaching. Julio has worked with leaders and teams across a variety of sectors from micro-organizations up to large multinationals in Ireland and abroad. Thanks for joining us, Julia. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm good, thanks. How are you? All good, brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, founder and managing director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary? I'm great. Thanks, Owen. And lovely to have you here, Julie. Thank you. Brilliant. So we'll jump right in. So I was supposed to give us a bit of context, Julie. Can you kick us off with some signs of a toxic workplace culture? Yeah, absolutely. This topic, it's one that I um, have been interested in for a little while. Um, it was one that I came across when I was looking into that idea of the great resignation, you know, that was kind of happening last year in 2021, where we were seeing millions of people changing jobs. And, you know, people were researching to try and figure out what is driving that. And there was a piece of research that indicated that a toxic work culture was 10 times more likely to predict attrition than compensation. So basically, yes, people would leave jobs for better pay, but what's 10 times more likely to make them leave is a toxic culture. So started looking into this topic a little bit. And yeah, there's a couple of signs that might indicate that a culture is, you know, verging on the, the negative side or the toxic side. So one clear one is disrespect. You know, people really obviously need to feel respected at work. When they don't, it's massively demotivating. So it's things like a lack of honesty or a lack of recognition, um, lack of respect for individual differences. So, for example, if people would be treated differently based on factors like gender or race or disability or personality or age or anything like that. You know, you might even think back when you, you know, when you were a teenager, you might remember kind of overhearing gossip or, you know, trying to fit in with your peers you know, acting in a way that's that was deemed to be acceptable. Those kinds of environments can be seen in some workplaces. So we're seeing the exclusion or, we're, you know, inappropriate jokes or drama or gossip being tolerated. So in those kinds of environments, you may get groupthink because people are, you know, trying so hard to fit in that they're not really thinking for themselves or not being themselves. Um, and that might mean they might engage in unethical behavior if that's deemed to be the norm so they can kind of continue that toxic culture. Um, you can have cultures where there is sort of a an expectation to be always on where you know employers might be sort of exploiting people a little bit so those exploitative cultures where you know the more you work the better 
if you're you know if you're taking calls emails outside of work that's perfectly normal perfectly acceptable um you know if your your workload might consistently be more than what you can complete in the working day um and again obviously we always have those those busy periods and different jobs but it's the the consistency of that you know and and again maybe you see leaders you know demonstrating that they are always on so that's what it takes to progress in that organization um so the result obviously there is going to be burnout you know it's not really a sustainable approach um but the opposite then of that could also be a really negative sign you know if you have a culture of mediocrity you know where there isn't really any drive or focus on results um you know people aren't holding themselves accountable maybe they're they don't have clear targets that they're striving for there's no emphasis on continually improving themselves or the business so then you're going to get that lack of passion lack of enthusiasm so although you know people might get along well they're they might also then be at bored or apathetic because they're not really challenged um, another sign of a toxic culture then is a kind of chaotic culture where there's very few rules or structures um, any strategy is reactive rather than proactive. Maybe, you know, people might not understand or really realize how their work contributes to the overall organizational performance um, or purpose. And then that's again going to be demotivating. It's going to lead to confusion, dysfunction, people not doing their job to the best of their ability. But then the opposite of that would be the really bureaucratic culture you know, where there's loads of red tape, you need approval for everything. Um, you might see those managers maybe kind of adopting a control and command style. So you're going to be reminded of the hierarchy, you know, where you stand within that. And again, that's probably going to lead to a lack of accountability because you're kind of saying, I'm just doing what my boss told me to do. So, you know, I don't need to really take on any ownership or, or come up with any new ideas. So all of those that I mentioned, I think they'll really lead to people being motivated by fear in a lot of situations. You know, it might be fear of the autocratic boss or fear of making a mistake or falling behind in those really competitive cultures or maybe not being liked in the mediocre cultures. And in that fearful environment, you know, you're not going to be performing at your best. You're more sensitive to threats and thinking of how you can minimize them you might see a blame culture because you're trying to think well that's not my problem or that's not my fault you're trying to keep yourself safe because you don't feel like your team or your company has your back and so again you're not going to be speaking up with new ideas or speaking up when you get something wrong or make a mistake which means we're not innovating we're not learning from mistakes we're not you know making that progress so those would be some of the the signs, I suppose, that you could see there. Yeah, definitely. I suppose the bottom line from what you're saying there, Julie, is if, if you have a toxic workplace culture, you're not really getting the best out of your people. Exactly. And that's ultimately not very good for business, really, Julie, is it? Yeah, exactly. It's bad for business, bad for people. Like you said at the start of the episode, it's, you know, you're taking a huge avoidable risk if you allow these cultures to develop, I think. Brilliant. And Mary, for yourself then, I suppose, kind of adding to what Julia said there. So we've spoken about things like challenges with recruitment, retention, engagement, that kind of stuff. A toxic culture really can hold a business back, Mary Cantor. What's your perspective on it? Absolutely. Well, you know, a business cannot perform at its best if there's a, a toxic culture. And that's just a, 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 the basics of it. You know, you 
can, in the kind of environments that Julie has been talking about, have problems around morale, an increased disputes in the workplace, lower productivity generally, increased levels of employee disengagement, uh, or as is popularly known now, quite quitting, you know, there in body, but not really in spirit, doing barely what they need to do to get by rather than really invested and interested in, in the company you can see absenteeism increases. So, you know, a toxic workplace culture is bad for business. It's bad for everyone. And ultimately, it's bad for the bottom line from an organizational perspective. If you want to achieve your strategy, be on target to excel as a business, having unhappy disgruntled employees not collaborating and working together or in dispute with each other or hating their managers or not respecting the management culture, whatever it is, it's bad for business. So, you know, the question always arises, what does that mean to us in HR? What can we do? How can we make this kind of change? And how do you avoid, if, if you're in a bureaucratic organization with many layers and levels, well, what can I do about it in HR? That's the way the system is set up. So it can be difficult for people to understand how to change any of those things. We've all worked in horrible places at different times over our careers. You know, certainly I can cite environments which were not nice where I've worked in my career and I could look around me and see culture wasn't good and it wasn't conducive to productivity. And yet, certainly in, in my earlier years as a, as a new entrant into HR, not knowing how I could even begin to go about fixing Mm-hmm, 100%. And although it's not an easy fix, it's something that if you get right, can have a really widespread effect across the business. So it's a very important topic. Kind of perfect segue on to my next question. I'll come to both of you, but I'll ask yourself first, Julie. So I suppose when it comes to the perspective of the leader, what can be done about it? Yeah, I think the leader has a really big role to play in this. They can really influence if not the entire organization's culture, then even just within their teams. I think the first step for any leader would be to try and overcome any potential defensiveness that you might feel. Um, I think it's very normal to feel, okay, that's someone else's fault or someone else's responsibility or that, you know, this is the way it's always been, things will never change. But if you do recognize that there is a problem, it's really important to overcome those feelings, those excuses in order to take action and get the desired results or make improvements. So while it might not be your sole responsibility, you are responsible. And so I think the best leaders, you know, they're people who are humble. They can acknowledge that there's always room for improvement. They're able to accept responsibility for problems without it completely knocking their confidence as well. So I would recommend one of the things would be to strengthen anonymous feedback channels so that you can get honest feedback from staff at all levels. If there is a bit of a toxic culture, people will probably feel a bit afraid to speak up and share their experiences. So you can't really just assume, oh, if the problem gets too bad, you know, people will speak up about it or people will say something about it. You want to try and get their voice 
and really listen to it before you see people handing in their notice. So really trying to listen with an open mind to feedback. Another big step would be to walk the walk, you know, look out for ways that you can show more respect or show more consideration. You know, don't assume that people just know that you appreciate their hard work, you know, be explicit about it. If you want people looking after their health and taking breaks, then you need to look after your health and take breaks. You know, you can't be saying, you know, do as I say, not as I do. So modeling that behavior that you want to see in the organization, celebrate it when you see others doing it. Um, If you see people going against those company values or whatever, you know, is most important to you, have the courage to to call it out in a respectful way, like just as an example, right? So say if there was a company and they're promoting, say, safety in their workplace, if you see someone doing something that goes against that, you know, if you just call them out in front of the group and say, what are you doing? That's not safe. That's not how it should be done. Why did you do it that way? You'll probably embarrass them. They might get defensive. So they're not really listening to what you have to say. Whereas if, for example, you pulled them aside and said, oh, you know, how did you feel earlier went? Was everything as safe as you would have liked it to be? You know, it's that open question, trying to show a bit of curiosity, but focusing in on a specific event, it's less likely to make someone defensive. So you're asking them to tell them about their experience, listening to them, and then, you know, they might say something that you completely missed. So it's, yeah, really important to listen to them well. And then once you've listened to them, you can share your own observations as well. So just those kind of, I think, open, curious questions can be really valuable. And I would say one other thing is being mindful of, say, you know, how you communicate what's most important. So I think, you know, when you're trying to change a culture, you do need to be clear on what we're looking for and what we don't want to see. Um, and a, probably a common mistake is leaders kind of going, oh, yeah, that's that's in the big lengthy employee handbook that no one's reading. You know, on page 283, we can see that, yeah, we really value diversity. You know, it doesn't really have the same impact. Um, so it's, you know, coming up with a creative, engaging ways to to share the, those messages and those stories. Like it could be podcasts or it could be videos or it could be, you know, a panel a panel discussion so that other people can hear those stories. I think stories are really important when it comes to understanding and changing culture. 100% and, and same question to yourself, Mary. I know from what Julie's saying there from working with you, Mary, a lot of that is quite similar to what we'd say and what we'd model. So any perspective from, from your point of view? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, the poor manager, and we did talk about this on a recent podcast on just an internal one with uh, Liam Barton and, and myself and you about the role of the leader and, and how beleaguered the leader is in, in the new ways of working. Um, so I think sometimes we focus in on them first instead of looking from a data perspective, uh, what's wrong? What's wrong in our organization? What do we need to fix? Um, and, you know, it's really interesting, uh, certainly when we're involved in the, you know, change programs or transformation programs, I'm a real believer in that data-led approach, which, which is very much, you know, who do we need to speak to? Usually we'll be looking at the the senior executives to see, you know, what what the culture is like from their perspective, what's good, what's bad, uh, what they want 
uh, as part of that culture, want, what they want to stop as part of that culture, what they want to continue as part of that culture. They're important things to get right. And then going down a layer, you'd be surprised how different the view of maybe the line managers are to that of the senior executives. And remember, they're the most powerful people within the organization, really, because they're managing and supervising the majority of people in the organization. And talking to them is always powerful because you learn a lot about the organization. And then, Julie, I 100% agree with you you know, having channels for people to safely communicate with the organization, with their leaders, with the senior executives, with HR is so important. So many HR people tell me about the the surveys they run and their engagement levels. And sometimes when we dig in behind all of that, what HR reporting is really positive, isn't actually as positive as they see because people are simply, you know, getting the survey done as quickly as they possibly can, afraid to give that honest feedback and actually open and honest the discussions that you can have in the organisation. The more likely it is that you're going to be able to fix that toxic culture. It's not a quick fix. I'm sure you'll agree, Julie, it's not something when you have a toxic workplace culture that you're you're going to be able to say, ah, today we have toxic workplace culture. By November 1, we'll have fixed it. That's not the case. There's a lot of work to be done. You have to understand first and then put in place your strategies and get to the point where, you know, if you're on the one hand, driving uh, long hours of work um, and your employees are finding that toxic, um, but you're not going to change that. How committed are you really to changing a, a toxic workplace culture? Yeah, definitely, Mary. I love what you're saying there about using that data and being kind of led by it. Um, and I think something, you know, you mentioned there about kind of going, okay, what's wrong? And really diving into that. But as well as that, and, and you could touch on that as well, of what's right, what's going well. And that can be challenging if you are in a toxic culture. It can be very tempting to go, well, here's all the problems and we need to try and work on those. But I do think sometimes when you're focused so much on problems, you get more problems. You know, if you're focused more on solutions and what's going well, you'll probably be more likely to get more solutions. So you know, looking for those little pockets of excellence and what's going well. And like you said, kind of, okay, what do we want to stop, start and continue? Like that continue piece is really, you know, valuable as well, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. That's something we can actually talk about later on in, as my, I suppose, final question in the podcast. But just before that, I want to touch on something you've, I know you've done a bit of work on, Judy, and it's from the, I suppose, the perspective of the employee. Mm. Is there much that can be done about toxic workplace cultures from, the place of the employee who might not have as much influence let's say as the leaders mm, yeah it can definitely be a, a a sense for employees that i don't have control over this i can't influence this you know this is just the way it is but of course there's always going to be something that you can do like i like to think of it as um you know that advice that if you get caught in a rip current you know the advice isn't to swim against it because you're just going to tire yourself out and get nowhere but you can still, you know, swim parallel to the shore, you know, so that you get out of that current. And that's the same with 
uh, you know, any organization's culture. If you fight against the things that you can't change, you'll tire yourself out and get nowhere. But there are definitely things that you can control. So I suppose the main thing that you that any individual can control is their own behavior. So I would say try to not stoop to the level of the toxic behavior. Um, you know, try to decide how you want to be seen by others, how what kind of impact you want to have on other people in your workplace. Um, manager fight or flight response is another one. So using those kind of grounding techniques or, you know, just taking a short break or a couple of breaths if you feel yourself becoming angry or or upset. Because again, if you're working in those kind of difficult environments, those fight or flight responses might be sort of triggered. Um, but if you give yourself a bit of time to respond, you can then choose your response um, rather than just reacting to the emotion or the negative interaction in front of you. I would say as well, you know, like we mentioned, in toxic cultures, opinions are often stifled or not listened to. So very normal to feel afraid to speak up. But if it's possible, I think it can be really valuable just to provide a bit of feedback, you know, whether that's in an employee survey or if it's in a a one-to-one with your manager, because they might not be fully aware of the extent of the problem. Um, And they might be more willing to make changes than if you stay silent. So again, obviously that's a, a tricky one, might not be applicable to everyone, but if possible, I think it is worth having your voice heard. I would say as well, seeking out allies in your workplace, you know, seeking out those positive relationships, building and nurturing those can help you feel a bit less alone when you're dealing with challenges. And as well as that, you know, for those people that you don't get along with so well, I think something that can be beneficial is just reminding yourself that, you know, most people don't wake up wanting to be nasty and difficult. They're going to work and they have their own challenges and they you know they're trying to do things just like you are so that's even one um activity you can use to to build empathy is reminding yourself of the ways in which that they're just like you you know so say okay they have a family that they're trying to provide for just like me they come to work and they want to be respected and valued just like me you know they have fears and insecurities just like me you know reminding yourself that they are human um and I think interacting with them with more empathy can then make you work more effectively with them. It kind of helps, you know, people respond more positively to you if you're listening to them and being considerate. Another actually technique that is similar to that is, you know, if you have someone that you really struggle to get along with, try to describe them using only positive terms. You know, so say like instead, okay, they're so pedantic, they're so fussy, they're so nitpicky. Then instead saying, okay, well, they're really organized, they're really proactive, you know, they value high standards. You know, every weakness has a strength and every strength has a weakness. So, you know, they're probably not doing it because they're a terrible person. They probably just have a different approach to you or a different way of of seeing the world. So I think trying to do that can help you see them as a more rounded human rather than just a a one-dimensional person that's making your life difficult. Um. But I suppose then as well, you know, I, my my strategies are getting a little bit more negative now. You know, I think keeping a paper trail could be useful um, if things do need to be escalated or if promises are broken. It can be good practice to just have the, that kind of um, evidence, I suppose, so that, you know, say you have a, 
a phone call, you might follow up with a quick email and just say, just to confirm what we discussed here, you know, and might save you hassle in the future. And then, you know, if all else fails and you've tried, you know, to make it work, like the best solution may be to remove yourself from the company or the team, which can definitely take a lot of courage because, you know, people think, well, I need the security that the job provides, but in reality, no job really provides complete security, and especially not a toxic one. People also tend to believe sometimes, you know, oh, it'll be the same in every workplace. But again, I, I wouldn't say so because increasingly companies are realizing the importance of having healthy cultures. So yeah, it's just about weighing up and seeing what's right for you. You know, yes, it can be a financial risk to leave a job, but it can be a health risk to stay in a toxic culture for too long. Um, so it's important to really just assess what the job provides for you and then make that decision to actually thrive rather than just survive. 100%. I think a lot of the a lot of us have probably seen it on LinkedIn, various places like this, this whole concept of quitting previously having kind of negative connotations. And it, I suppose it mm. can, but again, it's, it's something that, as you said there, health versus financial, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I suppose the big question to kind of finish off with, Mary, and it's something I'll come to yourself for this one. So I suppose many of our listeners hopefully will have a culture where it might not be particularly toxic, particularly negative, but it won't be perfect. So I suppose, can you provide any kind of advice for HR teams, leaders who want to improve their culture generally from a place of medium toxicity, I suppose, to, to really positive? Yeah, I mean, a toxic workplace culture doesn't develop overnight either. So it's it's usually a gradual change that's happening within a company and and for whatever reason a, a culture is toxic or becoming toxic um you know it's really understanding what's happening and julie i absolutely agree with you from a health and safety perspective that people sometimes need to make a decision about their future with the company if their values and the organization's values aren't actually aligned. However, from a HR perspective, we're responsible for ensuring that the organization has enough resources to um, you know, implement the organizational strategy. So, you know, it's from a HR perspective, a nightmare when you have people making those kind of decisions. So it's really important that if you're concerned about elements of uh, your organization's culture, that you proactively tackle them from a HR perspective. And that may be, like Julie says, letting your voice be heard at the senior table. Um, expressing your concern about what you believe might be happening at an organizational level, getting that buy-in from the senior team and, and from your managers to start addressing those kind of concerns, looking at the data. What data do you already have? So you will have absence information. You're going to have uh, information around uh, how long you're able to retain employees in the organization by department, um, by their start date. You know, you're going to have presumably information from those surveys that you do. And there are other sources of information as well within the organization. But look at your data. What does your data actually tell you about the organization? Look at your uh, exit interviews 
and your stage reviews, which are probably something that have become more popular in recent times. You know, why are people actually staying in this organization? What are the good things that they're staying for? How can we build on that? How can we continue in that way? And it's really, you know, a toxic culture is a culture in crisis. It's a culture that has um, got out of control because there is no leader out there that says, let me build a toxic culture. Absolutely not. That's something that happens despite people's efforts, maybe because they don't have the skill and the experience to see it before it's prevalent. But, you know, looking for help, getting assistance, looking uh, to your data and acting upon it, listening to your employees, hearing what it is that they have to say. And small little changes make a huge difference at an organizational level. So small changes in training and development for your leadership team, small changes in training and development for your managers, you know, being empathetic is hugely popular now and we all talk about it. But what if you don't have those skills naturally? Are we hiring for those skills? Are we training managers uh, with the essential skills that they need in today's environment? Um, these are questions that we should be asking ourselves in, in HR. We do not want people leaving our organizations because they feel that their health is being compromised by staying. That's the worst scenario from a from a HR perspective. Um, and what Julie says makes absolute sense at the human level. Uh, absolutely. And at the organizational level, we've got to stop these kind of cultures from developing and taking hold because it'll just affect the bottom line anyway and all of the people that we have working in the organization. 100% is about that kind of genuine intentionality of what you're trying to do as well. And so I suppose kind of last word to yourself, Julie, anything to add in the way of kind of tips and, and guides for HR teams and, and leaders? Yeah, I, I really like what you were saying there, Mary. I'm a big fan of the small steps as opposed to, you know, trying to do a big overhaul because again, with culture, we can fall into that trap because it seems like such a big thing that we think, okay, we need massive dramatic changes um, but yeah, the small steps could actually make a huge impact. Um, and like you said, you know, it, those to those toxic cultures don't develop overnight. And similarly, the improvements won't happen overnight. So I think, again, regardless of who you are or what your culture is like, if you're trying to change it, have patience and optimism as you work through it. Um, I also, you know, I think it's brilliant what you were saying, Mary, about getting and using the data. Um, and then when it comes to actually trying to change the culture i think that's when you really need to start appealing to the feelings and the you know the heart rather than the head because you know if you t tell people look here are the figures here's the data people go oh okay yeah yeah anyway you know and then they move on because it, you know we just don't it doesn't stick with us but if we tell stories and we make someone feel something they're so much more likely to act so i think yeah it's thinking about what kind of stories are being told in your company and about your company. And then another aspect to consider, like we talked about, you know, values kind of aligning it. And I think if you're trying to make change happen, it's about considering who are your people and what do they value? 
and then linking that change with their identity, you know, because like that goes for personal change as well. You know, if I say I'm trying to quit smoking versus I'm not a smoker, who's going to be more likely to have a cigarette? You know, when you tie your behaviors to your identity, they stick so much more. And actually, there's a a good example of this that I came across. Um, They had this problem in Texas where they had a a litter problem and they were trying to educate people to try and reduce littering. You know, they provided kind of, you know, information or fines wasn't really making any difference. So they looked into who was most likely to litter. And they found that it was more so kind of older men, you know, maybe truckers, uh, and they were often anti-authority. So, you know, if you give them a bigger fine, they don't care because, you know, it won't stick. They're they're anti-authority. So they created this campaign called Don't Mess With Texas. Um, So they got these famous, say, like Texan men, like Willie Nelson or Matthew McConaughey, for example. And they promoted that message that if you love Texas, you'll take care of it and you won't litter. And in five years, the amount of litter dropped 75%. You know, so it made this massive change because they were really tapping into who are the people we're trying to talk to? What do they value? What's their identity? So I think tying that in with culture change can be, can be really beneficial. That's brilliant. I love that story, Julie. I know, it's a great story. Yeah, yeah I'll be using that one. Definitely. Yeah. But I think it, it all comes back to that kind of long-term piece as well, which I think is so important for culture. So yeah, getting into the, the hearts and minds of your employees is the, is the way to go. So look, thank you, Mary and Julie, for some really good advice there, some really good stories to back it up to. So really enjoyed that. Thank you to everyone for listening, obviously. We'll catch you next week for the next episode of our podcast. And don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. Make sure to check the show notes for useful resources related to today's topic. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insidehr.ie. Thank you, Mary, and thank you, Julie. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Julie. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.